Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and... What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! You want a podcast? Great. So you have some audio on your website that nobody goes to. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, well, hoping that uh, that this is going to somehow be therapeutic today. It is Monday, January 27, 2020. Episode 234 of the Anakin Florian podcast. Just a, a bitter, awful, horrific weekend and the news that, that Kobe Bryant uh, and several other people are no longer with us. Uh, Ray Longo is going to be with us off the top of the show today. Ken Flo is in Cardiff, Wales doing a jiu-jitsu uh, seminar. He'll be in the UK all week long, so uh, hopefully some of you, uh, our listeners over there, can, can see him. You jiu-jitsu practitioners out there. Uh, but man, is this heavy today and, uh, I, I could have canceled the show. We thought about doing that. It's really as sad as I've been to, uh, sit down and do this podcast, uh, because Kobe Bryant really meant a lot to, uh, so many people as you continue to see the outpouring of love and, uh, I'm just going to try to make some sort of sense today. I'm happy to have my man Raymond Peter Longo with me off the top today. Ray, I don't know how much, uh, you followed the NBA or Kobe Bryant's career or, if this registered on your radar at all, but I feel like if you're any sort of sports fan and uh, 
this just was a man who was very layered and uh, had a lot of depth to him. And uh, a lot of people across the globe, not just in the U.S., are, are feeling this loss, my man. No, obviously, John. Look, I don't, I, you'd have to live under a rock not to know who Kobe Bryant is. But uh, what it just, you know, even, you know, when you're a father, you have kids, you have young kids. You know, my kids are a little grown up. But what a just a, a horrible, tragic, uh, you know, incident. You know, especially, I mean, his daughter was 13. She didn't get a chance to live a life. I'm sure Kobe packed more into those 41 years than anybody could pack into 200 yeah. years. But, uh so, you know, power, power to him, uh, you know, still tragic, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I got to tell you, I was in the gym and somebody said it. You don't even want to believe it, you know. Right. And it, it's more for the fact that just how young he was. And, you know, again, the, the, I did not know about his daughter until an hour later. That just that yeah. threw me over the top, you know, because uh, just to be so young and to not have, I mean, what a life she would have been able to lead. You know, with that, you know, with Kobe being her father would have been outstanding. But you know, I think it. I think the thing to do is to do the podcast and to honor him. And uh, you know, listen. Unfortunately, life goes on. We all lose loved ones, and it's 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 horrible. But uh, you know, you keep them in your memories and you honor them, and that's all you can do. You know, Brian Stan texted me this morning, and the end of his text said, it's a dark reminder to us all, and I do feel like in some respects it is that, you know, and uh, not that we need these reminders to give an extra hug or to profess our love to our children, but... Uh, man, just such a special bond that there was here between father and daughter, and I think this second act, Ray, for Kobe, our, our ability to see him in his fondest light as a father, you know, he was becoming an ambassador to women's basketball because his now late daughter uh, had a lot of ability. She was probably going to take over the WNBA, you know, and uh, right, I don't right, know, man, right. I just was so shook yesterday and today and uh, even up until calling you, man, I was just thinking that I didn't even necessarily want to go through with this and that's just raw, real emotions, you know, I was a huge fan of this guy, you know, I as a as a Celtics fan, I had to keep that pretty quiet, but certainly he was a guy who I supported as much as any Celtics fan can support a Laker. I got to meet him in New York City a couple years ago at that uh, Body Armor UFC launch event, and uh, again, he was as gracious as Tom Brady was, you know, just uh, a super guy. All indications are he was just an amazing father, and uh, I don't know, man, like I don't know if I was having a panic attack yesterday or what, but certainly some emotions and sadness that I that I haven't experienced in a long, long time. No, but I gotta say, I, I you know, I, I, I second uh, Brian Stam's uh, sentiments to you. I mean, this is the time to really, you know, we take things for granted. And if you ever get a chance, I don't know if you ever have, but read what Steve Jobs wrote on his deathbed. You know what I mean? And uh, you know, we, we, we tend to, you know, like do this for like one day, and then we just go about our lives and we forget about it. But if you really do take the time to learn from some of this stuff, you will become a, a better human being. You know, and I think that's one of the things. Job said when he was right, and I'm not sure, you know, he said there's a big difference between a human being and being human, you know what I mean? And only few yeah. people yeah. understand it, you know. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you just, you know, you just got to make the most out of that time in between the dots, you know. And I think I, I like what Stan said. You know, look, you know, on a, on, a, on a slightly different note, even when I was watching Bellator, uh, the other night, uh, right. they had that thing with the veterans on and what Jay Glaze is doing, which is absolutely phenomenal. I was unaware of it, but I think this, this, the statistics were 45 veterans a day commit suicide. 
just unacceptable. Unacceptable. You know, and the other thing Steve Jobs said, I mean, the guy died with $10 billion in the bank. You know what I mean? Worth $10 billion. Whether you're in first class or you're in the back of the plane, it goes down. It, they don't, you know, there's no difference. You know what yeah. I mean? And yeah. uh, we lose people every day, man. And you know what? I, I, that, statistic, that statistic blew me out of the water over the weekend. So, yeah, over the weekend was crazy between that and then coming yeah. into the gym and, you know, working out and, you know, having somebody tell you that. It's, it's crazy, but, you know, hopefully we become better people for it. Yeah, no, you put it well. And I also think sometimes what's great about having young children is that you have no choice but to snap out of it because your kids are around and they're watching your every move and, and learning. And, and so my daughter yesterday was like, Daddy, you know, you seem so sad, right? And you quickly try to snap out of it. But there seemed to be uh, no snapping out of it for, for me yesterday. You know, um, I don't know, man. That just the the layers to this one are really tough, just a horrifying scene and uh just when when the layers on kobe started to get peeled back and all of us longtime fans started to see this father and the recent video of him and his daughter courtside uh talking about the game of basketball uh and she was destined of course to continue his legacy uh jerry west the man integral in, in bringing kobe bryant to the los angeles lakers who's known him since he was 17 years old you know called kobe a man for all seasons and uh it, it's nice to to see the outpouring of love but this one's gonna stink for a while you know uh and uh i don't know man i don't know i and just jerry, jerry, jerry west was one of my favorite ball players when i was a young kid yeah. jerry west elgin Baylor, that whole laker team was phenomenal and yeah. I, I still like i could i could visualize jerry making that shot from where was he half court with like a second yeah, ago logo. yeah crazy that's a great read if you ever want to read that book it's fantastic yeah I God, the last time I've sat down and, and read a book. I know it sounds terrible. I'm reading constantly on my phone and reading articles about sports. But, yeah, I could read a book. Actually, the great Ryan Rossillo sent me a couple books recently. Uh, a Flame of Pure Fire, Jack Dempsey and the Roaring Twenties by Roger Kahn and Bruce wow. Lee and Life by Matthew Pauly. So uh, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, those are next two on my list. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But speaking of that, too, I just I would, John, you know what's funny? I'm going to tell you something. I want to thank you guys. I just read an article that somebody did on me that you spoke. You really gave me a lot of kind words. And I, I just read it like three or four days ago. And it's funny because when Al, when I Quinta was fighting uh, in Australia, you know, Ben folks goes, hey, can you have a couple of minutes to, to talk in the lobby? I said, sure. I go down and we're talking. We're just shooting the shit like we're just going back and forth. I'm venting, I think. I don't know what I'm talking about. But during the conversation, I'm like, well, this is weird. He hasn't asked me one question about Al. You know what I mean? And then yeah, I, go, I guess right. we're just loosening up and catching up. And another 10 minutes goes by. He goes, all right, thanks a lot for your time. And I'm like, wow, that was strange. Nothing about Al. All about you. I'm out, on the street, I'm out on the street with Sarah about three hours later. And Ben Folks comes walking down the street. And he's like, Mac, can I ask you a couple of questions about Ray? And I'm like, I didn't know the article was on me. I had no idea. That? You know, and then I, I actually just saw it, but I shout out to Ben Folks. I think he did a great job with that article. Thank you very much. And, uh, and thank you, John, because I just read that, you know, you know, you had said some nice stuff. But that was that was a couple of days ago. That's why I think I tried calling you. Well, so wherever we were, I think I was, yeah, in Melbourne when I sat down and yeah. 
talked to him and he did a piece on me, but we spent a lot of time talking about you. So what did I say? Like, what was the nicest thing I said about you? No, I think you said uh, that we became close friends and, you know, yeah. sometimes you call, we just, you know, shoot the shit about things and right. ask for advice and stuff like that. I think, you know, the only part I didn't like is I think you referred to me maybe as a father figure. But uh, <laughs> I, that's there you go. There's the rub right there. Yeah, for the yeah, there, yeah. There, that's the that was the killer. You know, what I mean? yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Hey, we're all we're all old at this point. So, uh, Listen, all in, right. So, my, uh, <clears throat> trust me, in my head, I'm around 28. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping that I'm you know not 60. You know, 41 going on 65. Um, hey, yeah. before we let you go, and again yeah. with this whole Kobe Bryant thing, it makes all this Conor McGregor stuff feels so small obviously we had an animated well-viewed show last week as you and i went back and forth a little bit but i i in in the nature of spinning it forward unless you got anything else on that i, I want to know if you any, had any thoughts on curtis blades a guy who many believe is a future ufc heavyweight champion and uh he certainly raised his stock in that uh main event in raleigh north carolina over the weekend i mean look fantastic performance against a, a very tough and you know, former champ Junior Dos Santos. And in the same vein, I really want to give a shout-out to Michael Chiesa, one of yeah. the really nice guys in MMA, just a great guy. Uh, he stopped by the gym a couple of years ago. I walked in, didn't even know he was going to be here. Just brightens up my day when I see the guy. He's a good dude. What a huge win for him at 170 over a former oh, yeah. champion. So so both of those guys, I thought the uh, the co-main event and the uh, and the uh, main event were were outstanding. And and just, you know, the Conor McGregor crap is just out of control. It's like, what's, what's the old thing? You don't spit in the wind. You don't pull the mask of the lone, lone ranger. And you don't mess around with Conor McGregor fans. Holy crow, are they vicious. Dude, they come yeah. in. <laughs> Dude, I don't think yeah. I can say anything. These guys are brutal. They're brutal. Yeah, you, you incited the masses a little bit. Hey, it's all good, though. <laughs> it's all good, right? It's a good, honest back and forth. And, uh... I, I think Dude, people I was, like I'm when there's a little thought, friction you know, or guys, challenge. Let me just interrupt you for one second. I'm trying to be thought provoking. I if these yeah. guys think I'm that wrapped up in this crap, they are wrong. And and again, the Kobe Bryant stuff and some of the other stuff really brings this stuff into perspective. They better. I hope these guys are living their lives and they're hugging their kids and they're doing the right thing because. Dude, that's all that matters, man. I'm not that wrapped up in it. I try to, you know, I like stirring the pot a little bit. It's fun. Yeah. And, uh, you know, try to give maybe be the devil's advocate on some of the stuff. But uh, holy crap, those guys are freaking, John, they're, rel they're relentless. It's, it's unbelievable. Well, hey. They, they like to uh, be heard, and they have a lot to say. And obviously, uh, I agree largely with a lot of the message, but it was fun going back and forth with you. And uh, I actually, and I, to be honest and with honestly, you, man. I heard, I heard the numbers were fantastic. So hats off to Connor, man, because I don't even think they promoted that thing. But his personality and all the stuff that he's done in the past really made that a huge, huge uh, event. Because I, I heard they did like 1.8 or 1.7 in the – prelims which is huge that's what we like to hear ray that's what we like to hear right see us pushing all those narratives ray you see that look at that look at that look at that i think we want to hey, tell uh, it like it is john no what do we want to cater to what everybody thinks you know john no. what's what's uh, the, the saying if you don't want any criticism don't do anything don't say anything don't be anything yeah and then you yeah. nobody will criticize you God, these guys are out of their minds well it's it is it's 
I, to tell my daughters, right? It's like when, when my daughters are being bullied for lack of a better verb or kids say things that aren't nice. It's nice to be able to show them all the mean stuff that people say about their daddy to put it in perspective. Be like, it's not that bad. Look at what this dipshit said about your father, honey, you know? So, um, and, you know, to, on the Kobe thing too, right? Like my daughter's going to come home from school today and she's going to say, Dad, why didn't you tell me about Kobe, right? Because she's in third grade and, and somebody eventually will say something to her about it and, uh, and maybe she'll understand that that was the source of my sadness over the weekend. Um, but I don't know, man. It is it is tough, and you really have to get your focus rooted in what what truly matters. And like well, that, I hadn't watched really, the Curtis Blades the fight. I hadn't watched the Blades fight until this morning, and man, was it hard to focus on a mixed martial arts fight after you know this horror show this weekend. You know, so um, yeah. I appreciate you know your candor and and being able to chop it up with you a little bit. It makes me feel a little bit better to be. Yeah, to be no, fair. I mean you really, John. Honestly, I mean I, I look. We could talk about this till we're blue in the face, and I think sometimes you have to constantly talk about it to really reap the benefits. But you really do get have to get your priorities in order. And really, there's there's a lot of people around you that love you, and you want to love them back. And you know, keep that circle small because you know, like again, there's people waking up every day that they just want to get on and bash somebody on social media. Yeah. That's their life. Yeah, you said this. They're attacked. I mean, like I did. I I. I I trust me. I really don't understand it. I don't think I. I don't have it in me to get up in the morning and start bashing people on their Instagram page or yeah. their Twitter page. I like it is bizarre to me. I mean, yeah. there's got to. There has to be something more useful you could do with your time, more productive. You know, like evolve as a person and and right. again use these these tragedies to move forward. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you could look at any of those old. You know. Uh, Greek uh, myths, they always have a kernel of truth, and you learn from them, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what keeps you in check a little bit, like a religion, you know? Yeah. All right, let's end on a light note, and maybe yeah, you can give us it. something as far as the UFC's Bantamweight division is concerned. It would seem that there are rumblings that Jose Aldo, despite having lost his UFC Bantamweight debut, might get a title fight against Henry Cejudo, potentially in Brazil. Rumors are out there. I'm sure you've heard them. Aljamain Sterling pushed out that Instagram post. Nothing has come of that. You know, Dominic Cruz seems to be training his ass off. Piotr Jan hangs in the mix. So does Corey Sanhagen. I mean, can, can, can you tell me anything here on a Monday morning about Aljo, about this Bantamweight division? Have you heard anything? Yes. They're, they're oh, trying that, to make some you fights. can't share they're it. Trying to make, they're trying to make fights with the people that you've mentioned. I think you left okay. out one person, though. Who was it? Oh, yeah, Marlon Marais. Yeah, you left him out. Okay. I didn't All right. Hear, I, didn't hear Cru I didn't hear Cruz's name in the mix. Okay. I think it was Aljo, Aljo Jan, uh, Santagan, and Marais. I think that's yeah. what, what uh, they're going to okay. figure that out. All right. Well, maybe there's Is a main event enough? in there. And then I'll tell you off the air what's happening. No, I'm only kidding. Right. I'm joking. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, hey. I mean, that's actually pretty good insight out of you today. So, uh, that was, do you, that have was, a, you know what? In the in the in the light of this tragedy, I had to come out with something because if anybody yells at me, I'm going to go back to that again. Yeah. You had to bring it today. Well, you certainly did. I well, had I, to bring I, it. I, you know, I I could sense how down you are. I want to. I want to bring a smile to your face, John. Bro, I mean, you're, Kobe you're, was. You're like, one of the good guys. I want to see you smile. I don't want to see you down in the dumps. 
No, I appreciate it. I mean, I have a Lakers jersey in my closet, right? I'm a Celtics fan. I shouldn't even admit that on the airwaves, but I love Kobe. You know, my email address is jannick24. The 24 is for Kobe Bryant. You know, I really idolize this guy. And uh, do you do you know do you remember do you know who Elgin Baylor is? Of course, of course. I mean, I'm that guy that, was I'm a phenomenal basketball basketball player. Yeah, phenomenal. I mean, I thought the Lakers back then and the Knicks they were they were just great. Great rivalries, man. It was it was a great time to watch basketball for me, anyway. If uh, <laughs> if you were watching on YouTube, Ray, right now, over my right shoulder uh, is a black and white picture of Bill Russell autographed uh, right here in the podcast. Uh, studio. Come so, on. Yeah. was there a better com- was there a better competitor than that guy? I'm telling you, and the, he's the biggest Kobe Bryant fan out there. So, uh, unbelievable. Yeah, no, no. It's uh, like again, and Jerry West, like again. <clears throat> <laughs> bringing him, excuse me, bringing him on board. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's crazy, man. But I, I think there's always lessons to be learned, and I think that's what we should do. We try to become better people for it. Yeah. All right, love you, buddy. Thanks for the extended time. Right. We'll talk. Love you too, man. Okay. All right, take it easy, guys. All right, buddy. There he is, Ray Longo, with us every week here on the Anakin Florian podcast. All right, right back out to the guest line. If you're watching, you get to see him in all of his glory today. Going hat backwards, Tony Romo style. The great Ian Parker is with us, sort of co-hosting today uh, in the absence of the flow. We, we led with Ray Longo today because he, you know, seniority, he gets the choice of the time slot. We gave him 1 p.m. Yeah. Eastern, one thirty. He took the 1 p.m. slot, but uh, it's good to see you, my man. How are you? I'm all right, man. Um, not going to lie, it was a pleasure uh, laying the smack it down on Kenny this week. I did not want to go back-to-back losses. That would have been terrible um so good to see your face as well man well we will certainly let you gloat in his presence uh next week he's in a car right now actually driving to cardiff but you did beat him seven to three big three-pointer there on michael kiesa obviously but we'll uh we'll get into that in a little bit so uh so this was a heavy heavy sunday and so many of us are just sitting around and it's a forgettable sunday right you're with your kids doing whatever you're doing and I got the text message that Kobe Bryant had passed away in this helicopter crash and and then later word filtered that obviously there were nine victims and his daughter and uh, I I just I don't even know what to say man you know we spent a lot of time with Longo talking about it this was a, a pang of sadness and 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 emotional pain that I just haven't experienced in a long time and it's not to say that I haven't buried loved ones and I'll never forget the only time I called in sick to ESPN when when my my late father-in-law Andrew Kowal fell down the stairs and and passed away you know and there's certain days and times in your life that are just uh really sad and this has nothing to do with meeting Kobe Bryant in 2017, right? But you just feel like you know someone when you follow their career as intimately as we all did and and when you love the player and follow the player and then if you get a chance to meet the player, great. But uh, just a giant of a man, as Jerry West said, a man for all seasons. And uh, man, just a just a tough day and, and tough hours here for for a lot of people across the world. Yeah, you know, growing up, I remember watching the draft when Kobe was drafted to the Charlotte Hornets and then was then sent to the Lakers afterwards. And it's funny, you know, when you grow up and, you know, watching him in that first dunk competition, you know, you don't see guys. I think he was a rookie when he won it. All of a sudden, you know, I used to play basketball. You start copying his moves, you know, you start drawing fouls a little differently. Everything's now like, oh, I want to shoot it like Kobe. I want to dunk like Kobe. And, you know, it's – 
not that this add, not to add insult to injury, but the way this happened, it wasn't like he died at age eighty-seven, lived his full life. You know, age forty-one is really, you know, it's young, and the way it happened is like super tragic. It's horrific. You don't wish that upon your worst enemy. And for somebody who had a few bumps in the road in the public, you know, with his career, and then turned it around and really like you know, tried to make good and then do so much to inspire so many people, even beyond his, you know, ability, impact on the game. It's just, it's awful. And you got to feel for his family. I mean, you know, his wife, you know, you know, it just, uh, to wake up this morning, obviously to have to be a strong mother and have to put her feelings to the side for now. It, it, uh, it breaks my heart. You know, I lost my father a few years ago and to, you know, to cancer and whatnot. And that was, you know, even though we knew it was coming, you know, it doesn't, the loss doesn't change, but something like this is just different. And, you know, and even to all the other people on the plane as well, I don't want to take away from that loss either. I know the media kind of went down that direction, but yeah, that yesterday was a tough day, man. Really sad. And for the surviving daughters and of course for, for Kobe's wife, Vanessa, right? They got the two little girls and then another daughter who's 17, who will likely yeah. be charged with helping to raise the, the, the two little girls and, Man, it's just so heavy uh, on so many different levels, and just the nature of the accident and everything else. It's just, uh, just really, really sad. One of our listeners uh, on Instagram at sliced Brett wrote, "What has made this especially difficult is the general public has gotten an even closer look at the individual after he stepped away from the game and let his guard down." And I think that's a big part of this is <coughs> that we all see this version of Kobe Bryant, the doting dad, courtside, the the basketball coach, right? I, it just, it, I don't know, man. Cut down too short doesn't even begin to uh, describe it. And uh, I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm really at a loss for words, truly. Yeah. Well, look, you know, like I said, seeing that and, you know, seeing that video, what was it last week that went viral of him breaking down the game to his daughter at the game? You know, it, it, it was kind of like, you know, in a weird way, that last thing is his public video was kind of beautiful in a way. You know, you kind of just to see the relationship, like you said, seeing him as the father off the court. So uh, I'm still in shock. You know, obviously, I never I, I didn't know Kobe. I didn't have the pleasure of meeting him. He was a legend, someone I looked up to growing up, you know, as an athlete. And uh, like I said, just just a terrible tragedy. You never know when when any of us is going to go or be taken from this world. And, and you never know how hard something is is going to hit you uh you know i've experienced so much recent personal loss right with our, our ufc pay-per-view producer bruce connell our dear friend and colleague adam geller my former boss at espn anthony mormile you know some of these names actually will register with with ufc and mma fans and our audience sure. and uh I don't know, man. You know, that's one thing they always say about getting older is that, you know, you start to lose people in your life. And uh, I can't believe this is our reality that Kobe is gone. But uh, that's the world in which we live and uh, in the nature of spinning it forward and, and trying to be an outlet for our listeners. Uh, let's talk about Curtis Razor Blades. As hard as it was to to sit this morning and, and sort of focus on MMA, I was able to watch his main event with Junior Dos Santos. It went quite well for Curtis Blades. Uh, your thoughts on Blades coming through as a big favorite and ultimately what you think this this win does for him in the heavyweight division? I think the fact that he, and I was so close, I said third round TKO and then went in the second round. No. I think we just saw a growth and maturity out of what we've been looking for out of Curtis Blades against somebody who can change a fight with one punch in Junior Dos Santos. His takedown defense was still good. 
I think, uh, you know, that uppercut, everyone kept doing the old, oh, every time uh, Dos Santos missed because it looked like it was this close. And that's the punch that, you know, he, he knocked out with uh, Where Doom and other people. I just think Curtis is figuring out his identity. You know, and I think the confidence is is huge there. Don't don't change who you are, where the success, the path has been, because you're going against a legend like JDS right. who can change the fight, right? So he was really using the jab, was working great, as I said, to set up for takedowns. That threat of that takedown was phenomenal. His speed was there. And once he got out of the way of that punch and even ate one from Junior, he shook it off like, all right, this is nothing. And Junior just seemed like he was on his bike kind of the whole time. Not a lot of real aggressive offense. I think he was just so worried about being taken down. And then in that second round, he landed that right cross and the knees, and then he finished. And that was a big statement. I think finishing Junior Dos Santos in the third round really catapults him to the top. You know, not I don't think he's next in line, but I think that cements him as a top three guy for sure. I love the killer instinct with those knees, right? I mean, obviously the right hand was the seminal blow, but to go in there all vicious and violent with those knees, he's super agile, right? Great frame, I think, for this division. I don't know what he weighs in the 230s, even less. What yeah, is he and, yeah, it's in the 230 range. And you know what's funny? We've seen a lot of guys at heavyweight outside of like the Brock Lesners that are just super freak athletes. Kane Velasquez was at his best at, what, 235? You yeah. know, they maintain the size is there, their strength is there, but that speed is such a factor at heavyweight. And I think that's what makes Curtis very special. Super athletic, fast, big, and he's putting it all together. I mean, not to ramp, but when he first came into the UFC, he was really just a strong wrestler with good ground and pound. That, that striking game, that Muay Thai game that he's worked with Bang has really come a long way and it's showing. It's really yeah, showing. You've seen the physical transformation as well, right? 100%. Came in a little pudgy, obviously, for that UFC <laughs> debut. And again, Francis Ngannou is the only man to beat this guy, right? And he happens to have done so twice. And that has been a huge obstacle in terms of a title shot for Curtis Blades. It's interesting to think that he hasn't realized a title shot at this point in time. When you look at the body of work and the takedowns, right? Needs breakthrough signature wins like this. I understand he like likely won't be next, right? Stipe and DC, perhaps that trilogy fight will happen. Maybe not if Stipe has anything to say about it. Uh, but this is a very intriguing contender. You know, I was taking notes as he was fighting today. Just a couple other words like altitude, right? Trains at altitude. Obviously, that's a huge feather in his cap. Trains with these day one coaches, has a tremendous team around him, and he's got the attitude, right? Like, I think he's developed a mean streak. Certainly, people will, will reference the Overeem fight, but you certainly saw it this weekend, right? No problem getting you out of there once he hurts you. So, uh, I'm excited to see what he can do. I do believe when I watch him that, that we're looking live at a future UFC heavyweight champion. I really do. Yeah, when he smelled blood in the water, he went for it and he finished. And I think he saw the opportunity without being concerned about uh, Junior firing off, you know, one of those wild hooks. And look, I think for him, I think he hopes that Rosenstrike beats Francis because if yes. he does, then Blades will go fight Rosenstrike. Winner then could truly fight the winner of Stipe versus DC whenever that fight happens. I think Curtis wants to stay away from Francis. That may be his kryptonite. Yeah. But I think a fight against Rosenstrike, if Rosenstrike can win is a awesome matchup for uh, for Curtis Blades because you know that fight will go to the ground and Curtis will have no problem going back to his wrestling then. 
Nganu is going to be the champion at some point. It just feels like an eventuality. And if he's the champion and Blades gets that third fight with him, uh, it's going to be an interesting build, right? Not always the easiest promotional build when you have a guy who's lost to one guy twice. But I don't know, man. When I'm watching Curtis Blades, I really believe he's got all the tools. I mean, from a competitive standpoint, if, if Blades is fighting Stipe next weekend, uh, I'm not saying it's a pick em fight per se. You don't think that's a competitive close fight right now? Oh, I absolutely do. I think, oh, listen, Stipe was getting, you know, beaten decisively by DC. And then that, that round that he won, the body shots were landing and he just caught DC at the right moment. I think that the heavyweight division within the top four or five guys, any one of them could beat any one of them just because of the stylistic situation here. You know, I think that Curtis Blades could put Stipe on his back. I think he could also outstrike him. I think he would be the faster guy, you know, um, Stipe obviously is super resilient, has had some, has overcome a lot of adversity in fights like the Overeem fight, you know, and I just, yeah, man, listen, I'm good with any one of these guys fighting each other. I think DC deserves the trilogy fight 100%. I love that Rosen strike is getting this fight against Francis. Um, and I think that Curtis Blades is going to sit there and he's going to really have an interesting couple of options in the next three months to really decide which way he wants to go. And I just think that he wants anybody but Francis in this situation. Right. Can you imagine if, if Jarzinho Rosenstrike goes into Columbus, Ohio on March oh, 20th please. and knocks please. out Francis Ngannou? I mean, can you imagine that after would... what the dude did in 2019, he go knocks out that fucking guy? Can you imagine? If he wins and knocks him out, I then feel bad for him because then he's going against a wrestler in Curtis Blades where you know it's coming. To do all that work to just get taken down and probably beat up on the ground for five rounds is rough, but... I'm really looking forward to that fight with Rosenstrike. He can't be counted out. And I think this is the first time you're seeing two guys that we know this fight's not going to the ground. You know, this is going to be like Rock'em Sock'em Robots at its best, and somebody's going to sleep. That over-under should probably be 58 seconds at best yeah. in the first round. Wild. And crazy. That, that's actually still two full months away. But congrats to Curtis Razor Blades, bona fide heavyweight contender. Anything for us on, uh, on Junior Dos Santos on the other side? Certainly Daniel Cormier called his fight IQ into question, if you want to call it that, just in terms of, of going back to the well with that uppercut without much of a setup. Uh, any thoughts on JDS uh, in this heavyweight division and what he needs to do to sort of get back into contention? Did he do an interview with DC after the fight? No, he was out of there. No, he, he <coughs> excuse me, you passed your cough over to me. Um, No, he, uh, he didn't, you know, I think for JDS, it's just, like I said, at this point in his career, some of these guys, the heavyweight division, these top guys are evolving, whether it's the power, whether it's the speed. And I said from the get-go, I know Kenny had JDS because of the power. I just think that uh, Curtis is a different type of heavyweight. If we go back to the speed, I think he's very well-rounded. And, you know, I think for Junior, if he's to continue his career in the UFC, I don't see him ever getting back to a title. As much as I love the guy, he smiles. If you want to go watch a clip of him with Dancing with the Stars, that dude was as happy as a pig in shit. It was hilarious. He was really so happy. Like, the over-exaggerated dance, he's like... Oh, it's, it's you know, just it was, right in his fucking wheelhouse, man. Oh, you know? so, so in his wheelhouse. And, you know, I hate to see him get ripped apart the way he did. But, listen, he may have to become a gatekeeper at this point. You know, I still think there are some winnable fights. I'd love to see him fight Derek Lewis at some point. 
you know, I think that's a cool stand-up fight we'd see happen. And who doesn't want to see Derek Lewis get a win and get back on that mic? So I think Didn't for Jamie, yes. fought in the main event in Wichita, if I'm not mistaken. Not on the Oh, point, correct. Right? You're right. My, my mistake. Together. I, I'm stunned I remember that, honestly. Yeah, no, you know what? Good call. That's a good call on that one. My apologies. But I just think that maybe towards the bottom part of the top 10, it's still competitive for him. I think he's going to be a gatekeeper. Right. I don't know how much more he has left, though. To DC's point, there wasn't a whole lot of evolution yeah. in that game to really prepare himself for the new breed of heavyweight, per se. By the way, you know I want to cater to the audio and the listeners and not always the video, but I do love this visual of you presumably getting ready to pick up a child here in about 24 minutes. I see the sippy in the uh, in the car seat behind you, and I, I can oh, relate. Oh, that's right? gross. Like, that's my world. That's my daughter's milk from this morning. I guess oh, it's when I dropped milk. her off. I thought it was water. Now I'm, I don't think it's so cute. Oh, All okay, right, you- so... It's listen. It's an air conditioned car. Let me ask you: If I take a sip of this right now, no. is that the punishment paid off for Kenny? Oh, <laughs> just put, can you actually put the the spoiled milk no uh, back in the? In it's the not spoiled. Great. It's not. It's great. It's okay. not Listen, I, I I pledged fraternities up in Albany. I drank way worse shit than oh, that. Oh well, too. see that's the thing. Like, and you and I both uh, pledged fraternities. <laughs> I, I guarantee that your hazing was uh, was tougher than mine. Mine had its challenges, but see, I wouldn't have like ingested a bunch of shit against my will, right? Like, I had to drink beer and do some really unpleasant things. But if I was told to like drink, and these are things that I know people have done, right? Like, drink a bottle of chilled soy sauce. Like as fast as I can, like fuck off. Like, oh, here, you can't do it. You throw up. It's this bowl of mayo. It's like I actually I'll just see myself out of your fraternity house and go find another place to go party. Right. So they would get us to the brink, but never stuff that was just so absurd that you wouldn't do it. You know, Um, mine was pretty absurd. I honestly did things because I was so afraid of what would happen. If I did try to leave and like there were guys that were literally uh, like, I, obviously, I'm not a big guy. You see me, I'm five, seven. I was probably 120 pounds soaking wet freshman year of college when I did this. Yeah, but you're a And these dudes. Yeah, no, I was a wrestler, but some of these guys were state champion wrestlers. They weighed 230. They were all on steroids. Yeah. They were definitely all yoked up before they came into the basement. You know, um, ah, yeah, right. listen, you, you know, it just, uh, yeah, well, they tell you to line up and you got to, you know, and. You know, like I, uh, one time they said either you, you, I think it was eat a bowl of mayo or drink someone's bong water. And I'm, I'm a oh, bad vomit God. guy, dude, dude, I've taken, I, you know, when I used to, when I used to smoke weed, I've definitely thrown up from bong hits. So when I smelled the water and I gagged, I said, what's my other option? Oh, the guy goes, man. the guy goes, I'll put you in my dog cage and I'll treat you like one of my dogs. And I was like, oh, I'll go in a dog cage. And then he kicked it down like seven steps while I was in a cage. And I was kind of like, when I got to the bottom of this. I go, man, if there wasn't like three weeks left, I probably would have like lost it. But yeah, that stuff's gross. But I listen, I definitely ate some stuff, drank some stuff to yeah. like save us from having to do more. I was the hero. I was like, yeah, I'll eat that six week old grilled cheese you found on the couch. Because the minute I ate it, I would turn around and just fucking puke. And while you well, throw right. it up, they, That's the they thing. leave you yeah. alone. Yeah, you just, yeah. if you chug the bong wine and spit it all out or whatever you got to do. But, uh, <laughs> this this content is free, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, this we're here is every free. Monday if uh, if you're interested. It's all free. Try the deal. Uh, Michael Chiesa, <laughs> the Ultimate Fighter Lives. Michael Chiesa, and by the way, here to four when Bruce Buffer introduces him, he's not going to say the Ultimate Fighter season fifteen winner. No, it was not season fifteen. It was the Ultimate Fighter Live. It was the only live season. Yeah. It was the most treacherous season for those athletes. <laughs> 
And here is Michael Chiesa in 2020, a bona fide welterweight contender, realizing success in the weight class he should have been competing in for a long time. And now Crazy. he gets a win over a, a still game, Rafael Dos Anjos. Certainly, if you're looking at the biggest winners over the weekend, Michael Chiesa's front and center for me, kid. Yeah, so when Kenny and I did this breakdown, I pretty much said that he's going to be the much larger guy. Rafael Dos Santos, I'm sorry, Dos Anjos, sorry, does not have the best takedown defense. And also, cardio wise, we sometimes see him fade later in the rounds, and Chiesa just doesn't stop. You know, very similar to like a Colby Covington, but with not yeah. as good of hands. You know, he just doesn't stop. And I felt like if he could make this dirty against the cage, literally, I said he could put his left leg in, sit against the cage, ride the back. He almost had the submission when he flattened him out in round one. That's exactly how I saw the fight going. I didn't think that RDA was going to knock him out or land because Kiesa fights very smart. He knows he's not a good boxer. You know, those punches he throws. He throws them with caution, even to set up the takedown. Right. But he also has such a good, a strong reach most of the time that when he gets popped, by the time these guys actually reach his chin, the power is really not there. He's getting, you know, so for Kiesa, this was a really, if anyone in the top five or top seven to, to take on and be an underdog, I thought this was a good matchup for him. I really thought he was going to take advantage of the ground game. And uh, man, that pace he set, I love the exit interview, bold call out, yeah. you know. That's gonna be a you know that's a crazy a really crazy grappling match. Um, but great win for him. And by the way, it's funny you mentioned the uh, the live Ultimate Fighter. To this day, I remember the best bet I think I made in MMA was Ally Aquinta underdog to Miles Jury. He was plus two twenty five, and I was like, holy shit, I could bet on the Ultimate Fighter. Let's go. I remember. That was yeah, awesome. that was really the first time I remember James Vick ended up placing a big bet on Michael Chiesa against Ally Quinton in the final because James Vick had just finished competing on the season. They were all broken down, but physically, Ali Quinta was limping around the palms, could barely walk, and uh, oh, yeah. was a nice hit by James Vick when, when Chiesa was the underdog against Ali Quinta in that tough live final. But, dude, does it blow your mind that Chiesa used to really make 55? Because I swear, he weighed, like, what, what they say, 193 in the cage that night? This well, past Saturday night? For me, it's a long line of these guys that stare death in the face to make that weight class. And just next to no body fat and just really just sad state of affairs that it happens as often as it does. But I think we're trending in the right direction. When we sit down in our fighter meetings on Thursday, we're sitting across from a lot of guys who are competing uh, at their natural weight class. And sometimes it uh, doesn't work out in their favor and, and they're inclined to move down. But uh I digress. But yeah, Kiesa Welterweight, uh, I think, uh, can be a real problem. You say, you know, he knows he's not a good boxer. And I do agree that there are limitations to his stand-up game. Are you saying there's a definite ceiling to Kiesa at Welterweight and that you don't necessarily like him against guys like Covington and Usman and Masvidal and everybody else or what? I think it's for him, it's got to really be the, the right matchup. You know, um, if he goes against someone that has great takedown defense and has the cardio... He's going to have to stand up and fight. And his stand-up, his whole stand-up is to set up the grappling game. And if he can't get to the fight to the ground, I don't know how many guys he could truly outbox. I'm not, I'm not saying it can't get better. <laughs> you know, I think that he has to, I don't know who he trains with sparring-wise and just boxing. You know, sometimes when these guys get to a certain level, they, they don't get the right guy standing opposite side of them. But in a fight against someone like Usman, I do not see him winning that fight. I don't think he's going to overpower Usman. You know, Kamara was one of the bigger, you know, guys in that weight class as well, you know, who, and he will have better boxing than Kiesa. So, 
you know, it's um, I think it's something he has to really look at. I think the style is really going to make the matchup. Like, if he were to fight maybe Nate Diaz at 170, you know, Nate throws a lot of output, not a ton of power. I think Kiesa could have success against Nate Diaz. And, you know, it because he would just, again, he'd have the size, and Nate's really a 55er. You know, that, that's kind of where I'm at with Kiesa. I think, listen, he did absolutely beautiful work Saturday night. You couldn't have asked him for a better performance. He was happy. He was healthy in the way he did it, executed the game plan. I don't know past this point if that game plan is going to work against anybody yeah. else, though. Well, I always like betting on the cardio guy, and he is certainly that. You saw how fresh he was after second fresh. round. And, and it's interesting when he talks about a potential fight with Colby Covington in July because you're sort of calling out the consummate cardio guy. And if that were a three-round non-main event, uh, that would feel like 15 minutes would just rip off the clock between those guys potentially. But we'll see what they do. I mean, he's put himself in prime position here in the welterweight division. And certainly, I got a special place in my hot for all those Ultimate Fighter Live guys. So very happy to see sure. Kiesa uh, start to realize a little bit of welterweight greatness here. Obviously, Iaquinta fighting Khabib was a big moment for that live season's cast. But uh, we'll see how far Kiesa can take this thing. But uh, good head coach, good team, and uh, happy for Team Kiesa. Anything else for us on uh, the UFC Raleigh card? Angela Hill, you got to feel good for her. Dominic Cruz has always said that uh, that he feels like she, among all the the, the litany of women at Alliance MMA that have been there over the years, whether it's Kat Zingano or Beck Rawlings, Lauren Mueller, uh, Lauren Murphy, I believe it's uh, No, Lauren Murphy wasn't there, but maybe she was. A lot of different women have been under that roof. Angela Hill, he believed, showed the most potential. And starting to realize it, staying active, there have been short notice fights, but uh, big, big finish over a very tough Hannah Cyphers. I wanted to shout out Angela Hill. You got anything else for us on North Carolina, my man? I mean, Trevor Whitman said it best against Angela Hill, and everyone said it from day one. You know, she's got the athletic ability, the striking's there. It's just more about finding what works best for her. And even in this fight against Hannah Cyphers, remember what I said? Don't let it be a brawl. Keep the distance. Utilize your striking. And what was surprising and impressive was the way that she, instead of uh, when she did the clinch, throwing a knee, which Hannah expected, she then used it to sweep and landed in a great position, which was the finish. Seeing her finish Hannah, who Hannah is tough, seeing it be because of a takedown on the ground, I think, listen, Angela Hill's got... She's got a lot of potential, you know. I think, again, it's going to come down to certain matchups. If she goes against strikers, she's got a great shot. Against somebody who ha is fully well-rounded, top to bottom, I still think she'll have trouble. But, listen, she phenomenal win. She finished. Can't really ask her anything more out of her in that fight. It was great. Certainly starting to find her style. And just happy for a good egg, Angela Hill. Uh, with a big win over the weekend in the strawweight division. All right, before we let you fly, my man, so we didn't get your thoughts on Conor McGregor a week ago, so don't necessarily need any thoughts on the performance unless you have them, uh, but give me the short and sweet on who might be next, how realistic you think the Masvidal fight is, the calendar, which is a big part of this equation as well. When do we see Conor McGregor, and who do they lock that door behind him with? I think scheduling is going to be everything right now. I, I I actually like that he said that the Habib fight will always be there. I agree. If Habib fights, wins, then you have Robin on. Connor doesn't want to wait till what? So he said September or something like that, if I'm correct. I honestly think that a fight against Masvidal or Usman is the way to go. You know, because whether or not if he loses any one of those fights, we still have that Nate Diaz trilogy waiting for us whenever we want it. You know, and that's the, that's what Connor did by setting this up. You know, 
It depends on what Connor wants. Does he want a title at 170? Does he see the style of Kamaru Usman? Is he? I really think the best fight for him right now is going to be Masvidal because that fight won't go to the ground. That will be a striking fight and you know a stand-up fight. And listen, one thing Connor shows us: the man could keep that fight standing. He could beat anybody, you know. And I have been very hard on Connor McGregor on an overall standpoint um, in regards to you know who he's fought matchup style-wise. And people talk about Justin Gaethje. You know, the thing is, Gaethje doesn't utilize his wrestling at all. If he did, I think he'd be a very dangerous opponent for Conor. But I think the fight with Masvidal is probably what happens next. I think Masvidal wants money over Kamar Usman. Is Usman injured? I know that was a rumor that came up, but he he kind of disputed that. I don't know. No, I know he just competed. but Yeah, I think he was in a cast, if I'm not mistaken. (laughs) But let's also not forget yeah. he had the hurt surgery after the Woodley fight, competed last okay. month in a, a five-round, near-five-round, just grueling. Oh, no, I, I, listen, I mean, let's oh, give I get him it. some time, Ian. You got to go pick up your kid anyway, don't you? I got I got some time. If Listen, if you're going to throw enough money at Usman, he'll, he'll heal up real quick for Connor. Well, I think they do. Aljamain Sterling, sorry to cut you off, but sort of had this cryptic tweet, right, about, oh, I might be back sooner than expected, and Longo was sort of trying to break some news without breaking news on the show today, right? But yes, certainly guys can be incentivized, whether it's a financial thing or a main event or money or, uh, you know, opponent, whatever it is, they can be coaxed into coming back sooner than is ideal, and certainly for Usman. uh, I mean, listen, if you're Kamara Usman, they say, hey, we're going to give you Connor in eight weeks, you good? Fuck yeah, he's getting up off the couch and he's going into the gym. However, I do think the Masvidal fight is going to be what happens. Would it be uh, I, when? I don't know. I think that's the fight to make. Um, you know, a lot of people. If I don't, if you don't mind me addressing this real quick, a lot of people forget the whole fix thing. That shit wasn't fixed. If you watch that fight closely enough, when Cowboy ducks that left cross, that thigh of Connor hits him right in the face, threw Cowboy off. Those shoulder strikes added. Cowboy never recovered. The kick was there. Connor implemented his uh, his game plan, whatever. I just think that right now, <laughs> people should give Connor the credit. He beat Cowboy in 40 seconds, regardless of whether you think Cowboy's washed up, however you want to call it. Crazy. Connor did the right thing. He did it. Showed the respect. I love this Connor. I love this humble, respectful Connor. He could sell fights without being an asshole. You know, it's uh, kind of nice to see. But like I said, I think the Masvidal fight is what we get next. I think both of them wanted to the two biggest stars right now. And yeah. like I said, I think it's a, even if Connor loses, he still has a Nate fight. I, I think we speak for everyone where we want that trilogy to happen before both guys retire, regardless. I just want the turn and burn. I want the quick turn from McGregor. I want the fighting season to continue, but uh, I know it's five options for Conor McGregor and we got to get out of here. Thanks to everyone out there for listening, watching the show, helping us get the word out. The new YouTube channel is live and we are back with you full force next Monday, February the 3rd. Ken Flo is back. Full preview predictions for UFC 247 Jones versus Reyes. That is coming up Saturday, February 8th from Houston, Texas, live on pay-per-view with that for Ian Parker, Ray Longo. TJ DeSantis, Mike Heck, John Anson. So long for now. We will talk to you in less than seven days. Until then, be well, be healthy, be safe out there. Don't text and drive. Sports. 
sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. 